Spreading faster than a case of the clap in a trailer court. Able to shatter eardrums within a 666 mile radius. A podcast more brutal than all the rest. It's Murder Metal See what uh, see what we got to say. So I'm gonna start it off with one of the most generic questions of all time, but it's a good one. How did you get into metal, and how did you gravitate to a more extreme style of metal? So I feel like in the '80s you didn't have as many different uh, as many different genres of music out there. I mean, you had like you know the '80s music, and you had you know some rap stuff starting up, which I wasn't into. I gravitated more towards uh, bands like Twisted Sister. I mean, it was the it was the MTV generation. You know, you had videos, so you, I was constantly seeing like Twisted Sister and Rat and stuff like that. Well, I have two half brothers, and they lived in Texas, and they would come up for uh, to stay with us in the in the summers. My oldest brother was big into metal, and my he's about seven years older than me. And my my middle brother, he's five years older. He was more into like. The punk and hardcore right, scene. Yeah. So he was he was listening to stuff like Black Flag and JFA and stuff like so that. You had both elements. So, coming yes, in. exactly. So from him, I heard uh, Stormtroopers of Death, and I was sold. But what what really did it was I was about nine years old when my brother, my oldest brother, put some headphones on me and Whiplash was playing by Kill, uh, Metallica. I oh, yeah. him, and I was done. Yeah, and it was like I I was at nine years old. I was sold. So it was just this constant, once I get, and being where we lived, I mean, you couldn't even find it. Like, no. nobody, nobody knew Metallica was. At this point, Master of Puppets was out, but nobody could even, nobody had it in the stores around Champagne. Yeah. Where we're from, right? So it was probably a steady, steady year of trying to find Metallica stuff in the stores. I finally found a Whiplash uh, cassette which was like the first half of Killing All. Yeah. And it was blank on the other side. I've still got it. That's crazy. It was, it was the weirdest thing. Yeah. I was like, I didn't care because it was what I was looking for. Yeah. So. Um, and you and, bought that in actual store? Yeah, it was in, uh, it wasn't Camelot. We had uh, we had Camelot and another store, Musicland. Oh, Musicland, Musicland. Yeah. So they had it, and that was the only thing they had. 
And then after about another year of having that, they started to slowly get stuff in, and I, I would just grab it all. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I was listening to Iron Maiden, I was listening to uh, Metallica, I was starting to get into Megadeth, you know, stuff like that. So, and then it was just, the, the more I got into it, you know, I, my oldest brother would, I, I would just raid his cassette collection. And he listened to everything from Depeche Mode to Slayer. So I had, you know, everything at my, at my uh, beck and call. Yeah. You know, I, I grabbed Slayer and I'm like, holy shit. Like, honestly, hell of a scared the shit out of me at right. nine years old, right? <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? So that one took me a minute to get into. But after, you know, about 11 or 12, I think it was when So Far, So Good, So What came out. Oh, I picked yeah. up uh, that... I ended up picking up, uh, we were in St. Louis, I still remember it, I ended up picking up Sodom Persecution Mania, and that was it. Yeah. It was like, that was my, that was my stepping block into faster, heavier, and I was like, oh my god, this is, and it was, it's like, there's a whole other world out there, right. and it just keeps on going. So I just kept looking for it, and, you know, eventually you find bands like Napalm Death, and you find, you know, just, just heavier, heavier things, and once you start getting into those things, and start paying attention to magazines, and and you're looking at the back in those days you you had the inlay cards and you saw what bands that they were thinking exactly yep. so you started looking into those bands you're like oh shit okay this is I, I don't know what suffocation is but I'm about to find out right you know <laughs> so yeah. and that's that's basically how it is it's just like a big ball of snowball just keeps you know going I remember being a fucking kid and you know Metallica was one of my favorite bands as a young kid of course yeah. and I remember I kept seeing them they would have Faith No More and all their thanks lists and then right. I saw a picture I think uh uh, Kirk came out of Faith and Morsher or something, and yep. I was like, man, I gotta check that band out. Now they're one of my favorite oh, bands. Absolutely, but, absolutely. But yeah, no, that's the way to do it. That's though, exactly man. how it was, man. All right, man. So uh, obviously, you played a fucking shitload of concerts. I've fucking gotten to share the stage with you a couple times, which is awesome. Yep, been pretty lucky. What were a few memorable concerts you saw growing up, and that uh, you knew it was something that you ended up wanting to do to, to be on the stage yourself? So, I didn't really get to see a whole lot. We were, like like I said, you know, being in Champaign, there wasn't a whole lot out there. It wasn't like being in Chicago. I had buddies that, you know, they drove to Chicago damn near every weekend to go see shows. My parents were strict as fuck. They, right, They right. weren't allowing that, right? So, I think at 14, uh, me and my buddy Ari Roberts, if you knew him from Desecration. Yep. And then um, Matt Zielinski, uh We all went to see Anthrax and Iron Maiden. And that was the first concert I saw at like 14. Yeah. I was down in St. Louis. Um, and I didn't really get to see I saw King Horse after that, probably six months after that, at an all-ages show at the Blind Pig down in Champaign. Um, there really wasn't much. I think I saw Metallica finally after I graduated high school, like yeah. 17, 18. Me and my buddy Josh drove up to Chicago and saw him. So um, there wasn't really a whole lot of shows that I saw until right. I started playing them. Yeah. And then once I started playing them, it was like, okay, I'd go I'd go to more and, you know, you had Milwaukee Metal Fest. That was like the mecca, right? It yeah. was like you, I'd go to this record store called Periscope and they would have these flyers from Milwaukee Metal Fest and you're just like, holy shit. And, and you, but there was no way until I moved out of my parents' house that I was going to go to those. Yeah. So it, it just, that's just how it was. And once, once I could finally, once I was finally free, there was no stopping it. Back so, at like twenty bucks for a ticket to Milwaukee yeah, Metal Fest. Yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> See bands like Hail Corps from Eleven Creation. Yep. And yep. <laughs> Absolutely. The one thing, so I will say, the one thing that really, I don't know that there was any specific thing that made me want to pick up a guitar or wanted to be in a band, but I had this Metallica poster, and it was—I've it was, never seen it really. But I got it at like Spencer's when I was probably ten or eleven. Yeah. And it was like this collage cut of like there's a picture of James at the top and there's a picture of Kirk and a picture of Cliff and a picture of Lars at the bottom but in the background it's like this massive crowd and as, as a kid I would just sit and stare at it like yeah. holy shit you know and it's, it just kind of made it maybe kind of sparked an interest but I never really had anything that specifically made me want to pick up a guitar strangely enough so me and a, me and a buddy ended up getting guitars around the same time and I got like some cheap $50 uh, harmony shit right you right. know it was like yeah. your typical first guitar it, yeah we got it at a flea market yeah. and my parents were like yeah okay good luck so and I, I took about maybe four months worth of lessons and my grades were bad so yeah. then, uh, 
they took it away, but they just kept it in the closet, so I'd go grab it when they weren't looking, and I'd, I'd work on stuff. So I'm pretty much self-taught for the most part. Um, I just listen to I, back in those days. You listen to cassettes and you just play it back and you know rewind it and try to figure out. Try to play what you're hearing. That's, yeah. that's, that's all I did. That, I mean, that's how I did it too, man. Yep. So I feel you. All right, man. So you know, as we we're saying, we're we're here in the Central Illinois scene. We're right here in Bloomington right now. Uh, there was an all-star list of bands, really, and talent here, like through the years. And you were a huge part of creating the foundation for bringing sick bands here. So tell me a little bit about, about that. Like, I know that you set up a couple of the first fests around here yeah. and brought some of the first fucking, like, out-of-town bands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess I didn't really, you know, I don't really think about it like that, but I guess, you know, you say it, I guess that's kind of true. <laughs> to me, um, to me, that's what I mean, I, yeah, I guess it, <laughs> it, it makes sense because, so when I joined Deadon, before I was in Deadon, I was in a band with the drummer from Deadon called Carrion Fix. It was more of like a... Like it was like a thrash death kind of band. Yeah. And I had Putrefaction, that was kind of grind, uh, uh, drum machine grind stuff with noise. With Chris Noise. Yeah. And I actually was in Desecration with Arian Bishop. Okay. Um, but, well, Bishop took my spot, but Aaron Heath. It was me, Aaron Heath, and and uh, Ari. Um, I drew the logo for that. Um, Switching spots. Yeah. So it was always this constant like revolving door for a little while. There wasn't a whole lot of guys into that extreme stuff right. here until probably about 93, 94, 95. So once I joined Deadon, um, we'd been playing some shows. You know, I'd, I'd been doing the carry and fix stuff, and Putrefaction was starting to do some things. Um, so I really had this mindset of, if we're going to do this, we're not going to fuck around. You know, it was this, I, I kind of came in and I was like, I'm going to join you guys, and that's fine, but we're going to work our asses off. Yeah. We're not going to just play Champagne. We're not going to just play Bloomington. We're going to play other states. Right. And we're going to we're going to swap shows with bands. Because at this point, I've been doing the underground mail stuff, so you know I'm making these connections, and they're talking about, hey, if you bring us here, we'll bring you there. Right. And that's how it worked, man. I mean, we had those the the shows at the Channing Murray that were always, you know, all ages, and some of the other guys started doing those first, but. Once I got involved, um, I started to I started to book more shows, and we would because I had the connections of like we brought Repetilation out several times from New York. Uh, you know, we we would work with Internal Bleeding and we'd swap shows. We'd, yeah. You know, the Regurgitation guys. I mean, it was just always somebody that was looking to play Sodomize. I mean, we we right. did trade shows with Sodomize. We did did all kinds of stuff. And then you had Dave was doing Lividity, You know, so he was. He was doing it on his end too, so then we'd, we'd merge shows. It was always a Dead and Lividity show, and then like two other bands that we were bringing in. And then his, he, if he brought the bands in, and then Lividity would go out, and they would, you know, play New York or something. Right. And then we that weekend that they were doing that, we we're playing like Pennsylvania or something because we we're just constantly swapping. Um, but it, and it was always like this this cool like rivalry. It's like, oh, those motherfuckers are going 800 miles away. Right, right. We're gonna go 850. Fuck. <laughs> So it was always like this, it's like, oh, I see what you're doing. Yeah. We're, gonna, we're gonna push it a little bit farther. Um, but then, you know, it was, it got to a point to where I don't even really know how the the early Central Illinois Metal Fest came about. I just, we started doing these shows at uh, the Knights of Columbus. Yeah. And we're, they were just regular shows. Like we brought like uh, Deeds of Flesh and Dying Fetus. And I mean, we did, I think we brought Nile up once. Um, which these are all huge bands now. Yeah, now they are. It, right. and, and, and I mean, let's be honest, Fetus and, and Deeds of Flesh, yeah. they were always kind of higher tier. Right. So, you know, Fetus was, was just always like, I mean, the, the first minute you heard Bathe in Intros, you're like, yeah. these motherfuckers <laughs> are <sure>. here. Right. <laughs> so, um, but it, there was just something, like I, I guess I just came up with this idea of, let's see if we can do a fest. And my goal, my whole goal was, let's keep it, you know, 15, 16, 17 bands, but let's keep it as affordable as possible. Right. I think I'd charge like nine or ten bucks to get. Yeah. It, it was an all ages thing because that was that was the key, because everybody was young back in those days. Right. You know? Right. So it was like, it didn't do any good for us to be like, oh, you got to be 21 to get in because we'd have 50 fucking people. Right. But if I could get the 16, 17 year olds in that were hungry for it, if they're hungry for anything to do, then it was, you know, it was it was much more beneficial. Right. Um, so yeah, we, we 
and just with those connections that we had in those days it was it wasn't like now to where you could set up a show in five minutes because you're emailing people and your video whatever and people it was you got phone numbers and you got you know you're, you're trying to wait two weeks for a reply from somebody can yeah. you do this show right. can you answer me so it's like it was it was all about just a necessity we wanted to play we wanted to help our friends our friends were going to help us in return like we we would bring Niall up Niall would bring us down to South Carolina and yeah. they, I mean so it was like just this hand shaking hand thing and right. it was just like a, a helpful scene back in those days um, not that it's not now but it was just different and it was just a yeah. more honest you know that if that doesn't sound cheesy or something well and it was all new to you guys so fucking you weren't like trying to compare it to how other people were doing it before right. you were anything right. like that you guys right. were just doing it and learning as you went right and it, I mean, the only thing you had to compare it to was Milwaukee. Right, right. And Milwaukee was, I mean, that was leaps and bounds. Yeah. So, and I think we probably got, for those days at the Knights of Columbus, we were probably getting four or 500 people in there, which is pretty fucking good. No, that's fucking good. We're a small town. Yeah. You know, we were, we were a small town. And on a Thursday, we'd play a, we had a club that we'd play called Six Feet Under, typically on Thursdays, and we'd, we'd get 200, 300 people in there. So, oh, it was okay. on a weekday. So, yeah. I mean, that was, that's unheard of now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or else you got like real touring bands coming in like it's it's just totally different but the only reason that I stopped doing the fest was because after the second year the the Knights of Columbus sold oh yeah so I, did, I lost my venue and there was right. no other place I was willing to help me do it and there was no other place that was big enough so then a couple years later I think it was 2002 when Matt started doing it um, and I had kind of deadened and kind of fallen off uh, we, we took our break I was working on my career and stuff so Dead and picked or Bishop picked it up and he started doing it. I didn't even really know he was doing anything. Yeah. Suddenly, he just next thing I was like, oh shit, Matt's Matt's picking up the torch. Yeah, fucking run with it. Yeah, so. Matt was doing that, and then like fucking, uh, you know, Shane from Waco yep. was doing shows out here at yep. Lafayette. Yeah, so yeah, super cool, man. All right, so uh, you got to tour some amazing places with Lividity. This is a two-part question. Okay. One, what's one of your most memorable shows? And two, what's one crazy thing that you saw on the road that you're willing to share with us? Here? <laughs> <laughs> well, life is always crazy with Mr. Dave Kibler at your side, so I'll have to think on that one. Um, there's a, I've been very fortunate, you know, with with Lividity. I, I mean, I, I don't take any of it for granted. I mean, you could be. We, we were at a, a pretty several years ago we were at a pretty good height and we kind of you know took a little hiatus there for a little while but I think we're still doing pretty good yeah um, I think the the most memorable one is going to probably be the first time we played Party Song uh, Fest in, in Germany yeah the, the reason why it was so huge for us because we weren't like any of the bands on the bill and nobody really knew who we were right now at that point I mean that was 2008 and Lividity has been around for at that point for you know almost 20 years, but nobody really knew who we were. There was a few people that were like, "Fuck yeah, Lividity boot." We got up there and we did our thing, and it was totally different than what everything. You had like fucking uh, Behemoth was on there, right. Hail of Bullets, um, might have been Napalm Death was on that one, um, but it wasn't anything like what we were doing. So we totally stood out, and people were, were like wait a minute and we just got this response that was just it was like it was like it was refreshing right to everybody else because we didn't sound like everybody else so it was really neat um and we just got a huge response and and it was it was really really beneficial for us that was definitely probably the highlight uh the first time we played columbia was amazing um was that a bogota yeah bogota yeah we played that twice and that the first time was just it was you couldn't even it was like, dude, when you watch those videos of like Iron Maiden, and, and this is like ridiculous to compare it, but like when you watch the videos of like Iron Maiden and they got the fucking people that have got their flags and yeah. their fucking logos written on it and like from another country, that's how it was. Yeah. There were people with fucking like flags from Argentina and it's got fucking Lividity logo and you're like, what the fuck is going on <laughs> that's here? That's fucking awesome. And you're like, is there something we don't know? Because right. it, was, it was insane. Yeah. So, I mean, there's... Some of those things were really cool, and, and like I said, I don't take any of it for granted. I, I'm super appreciative of all of it, and we're that kind of band that, even though the show's over, 
we're gonna sit and hang out with you guys until yeah. everybody fucking leaves and, and then that's just what we do so we're super appreciative and if anybody you know it's people say when are you gonna stop doing this when people stop fucking asking us exactly cause why would you stop right right so that's that's how I see it um as far as stories I don't I don't know that there's 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 things that are incriminating that I'm yeah, gonna say. Yeah, no, yeah. We won't so, share those <laughs> things, but you know. So so those I'm not gonna share. I mean there's just funny shit that happens, like fucking Dave will get fucking lost in the middle of nowhere and like you're like, Where the fuck is Dave? Yeah. You haven't seen him for four hours and then thirty minutes before the show he shows up and he's like, I don't know where the fuck I was. Right. And it's like, okay. But I mean you just get used to that, but um there's no shortage of just funny, stupid shit that happens. I mean, typically, we'll land over there, overseas somewhere, and and those guys have started drinking in the airport. I don't drink or do anything, so I'm, I'm pretty boring. Um, there was the one time where we hadn't even been there for four hours, and Garrett's already broken his glasses, and he's, and he's a mess because he's fucking drunk off his ass, and he's wiped himself out. And he's just like, dude, are you even going to be able to play? He's like, ah, we'll see. <laughs> Exactly. So it's like it's it's just there's a there's a shit ton of those stories where it's just nonstop just laughter. We we focus on those and we get in the in the practice room and it's it's just hilarious. But I mean it's it's been a good run with those with the four guys that we have. So been really really fortunate. No, it's fucking awesome, man. All right. So now. As an artist myself, and I'm, I'm not talking about musically, but drawing and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I was stoked to find out that you actually came up with some of the some of my favorite logos. Like you did Dead End, you did the Lividity one before you were even in Lividity. Yep, yep. You did Regurgitation's logo from Ohio. Yep. Yep. Uh, were there any other notable ones that I wasn't thinking of, and you still sit down and draw at certain times? I don't really do much drawing now. I just don't have the time. I got yeah. asked. Um, there was a point where I... I was going through my old sketchbooks and I posted a bunch of them on Facebook. Right, right. Well, then that started. People started asking me. I was like, ah, I don't have a whole lot of time. But Kyle uh, Chrisman from Gorgasm, he was doing that project called Methoroma. Yes. So he actually asked me to do a logo for them, which I did. They didn't. They ended up going with their original logo, but they've still got that one that they might use down the road. So that's the only thing I've done recently, other yeah. than projects of my own. Uh, the band Reef that I've got, I did the logo for it. Yeah. Um, which will be getting shown. Recent or pretty soon, um, I did the desecration logo back oh, in the yeah. day. That was probably one of the first ones I did. Um, the putrefaction. I didn't do the putrefaction. No. Nope. Huh. Uh, that one was Chris. Chris had the whole putrefaction idea before before I even knew him. Okay. So once we met, we just started talking, and I was like, yeah, "I'll do it. Let's let's do it." Yeah. And we, we you know wrote all these little quick rhyme songs, and he had the logo, and uh, there's there's like two versions of it. It's just the the, the word. And then there's the, the version where it's got like this little guy in it. Yeah. And I like that one uh, better. It's just it's just different. Right. Um, I don't know. I did the Avatar logo yep. um, down in Champagne. Yep. Um, I don't know. I can't think of anything else off the top of my head that would be is really known. Right. Um, but those, I guess those are the three, you know, most. You know. No, that's super cool because, like, they're fucking very, and still to this day, known logos and yeah, stuff. And, yeah, You know, know that you came up with them. And, and the goal was always to make them different, you know, so, yeah. like, the dead and doesn't look like a little bit of the, right. like, nothing looks like the regurgitation. So, I mean, it's like, you know, I, I try to put my own spin on stuff and not make everything look the same. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the thing about the Lividity one was Dave... Dave had his logo, but he's like, oh, I want you to draw me a logo. And I was like, okay, cool. So I drew the logo, and I had it all done. He's like, ah, oh, but you got to make the T inverted cross. And I was like, well, you didn't tell me that. Yeah. And you didn't put sixes in it. Yeah. Like, in, like I had it in the original. Yeah. I was like, well, you didn't tell me that either. So then I had to totally redo it. And then we came up with what, what it is now, and that's what it's been. You should have told her, man. It's not right. about saying it's about pushing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't know then. Right, right. So. <laughs> no, super cool, though, man. Um. So, you've been involved in a few other bands, too, such as Colossus and Between the Killings. you got the fucking hoodie on right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's up with those projects, and was there anything else that you were involved in? Obviously, you've already just told us, fucking. But, uh, and any chance of any more dead? So, so to, to kill two birds with one stone, there's, there's not going to be any more dead. Okay. Unfortunately, the, the Colossus album was actually the new dead. Okay, yeah. Um... Which that album's fucking phenomenal. Thank fuck, you, yeah. thank you. It's musically, it was the new Dead. 
as far as guitar riffs was. I actually wrote all that guitar stuff when we did Perseverance for Lividity. I was writing, uh, I was basically writing two albums at the same time, and I right. didn't realize it. Yeah. I would, I would, I would write a bunch of songs, and the guys would come over and I'd be like, "Check this out," and they'd be like, the look on their face would tell me that's not going to be a Lividity song. Right. Right. So I was like, <laughs> it's like okay. So then I started talking to the Dead and guys, and they were they were interested, but getting them to do anything is kind of pulling teeth. They're kind of separated from this. Life. Yeah, for sure. So it's been a fine. long time. Yeah. Right. So the the songs that ended up on Colossus, that was initially that was going to be all Dead and stuff, but when it wasn't going to work out, I decided to I upped I, I kind of changed some things around guitar wise. I wanted everything to be different as far as, you know, what the drums were going to be doing. Because I didn't want it to sound like it was going to be a dead and thing. I wanted it to be its own thing at that point. So the bass sounds completely different. I didn't do any vocals on it. Right. So I, I wanted it to be its own entity. And I think it, I think that happened. Um, the Between the Killings thing, uh, Braxton hit me up one day just out of the blue. He was like, hey, I've, been, I've had this idea for a project. And... Uh, like the Milky Beer, and I said, like, "Yeah, sure, let's try it out." And so that's that. Did, so the first EP is done. We're just waiting on the final mix right now. Right, right. Um, it's me, Ian from Severed Head Shop, uh, Braxton out of Sound Vocals, uh, Joe Gordon from Mortal Decay, and Kyle Christman. Uh, yeah, I'm drums yeah. from Gorgasm. Uh, Kyle is stepped down, and now we have the drummer uh, Justin from Severed Head Shop as well. Right. And Joe, things just. The distance were kind of was kind of killing us, so we got um, Miles. I was good. He used to do the violin purity, yeah. uh, so he's doing guitar with us now too. That's awesome. So yeah, he's he's a beast. Yeah. Um, so we we started writing the second EP. That that project is going to be a series of EPs that's going right. to tell the story. There's going to be four of them, and it's going to have like graphic novel stuff with it as well. So it's going to be kind of different. Uh, we wanted it to kind of be set apart. Um, so we got the first one done. The second one is in the works, and we'll start. You know, as soon as we get that one done, we'll start immediately on the third one and try to keep popping these out. Yeah. Those will all be coming out through Comatose. Um, Reap is the, the latest project I've been working on. Yep. It's like if you took SOD and made it like a grindcore style band, like grind death, but, but with SOD elements. Right, like right. SOD minded, um, you know, as far as the lyrical content, as far as the. The, the musical ideas it's not overly thought out it's very to the point it's, it's you know nothing is more than a minute and a half long some of it's like four seconds long it's just fun and angry and it gets a lot of my frustrations yeah. out so that first uh, that first album it's going to be called Born from Plague uh, that'll be coming out on Self Made God out of Poland and then we've actually already written the next album which we'll go record in about three weeks. So as soon as that one gets released, we'll have the follow-up pretty much ready to go. And that's Kyle Christman on drums as well, and Jimmy Javins from Necrotic Discouragement on vocals. So I'm doing all the, the bass and guitar, but everything else is those two guys. That's so, awesome. Um, the only other thing I've got going is it, I've got probably six or seven songs written for a band called Hellmaker that I want to make. Which is going to be kind of like Slayer meets Crisian meets uh, I don't know. It's that kind of like right, fast thrash right. kind of vein. So that that kind of scratches my itch for like my old love for like thrash and yeah. stuff like Sodom, you know, Crisian Slayer, that that kind of stuff. And it's all going to be like war based. And I've got a I've got some guys that I'm not ready to disclose yet that are in the works for that so that's fine but that, yeah. that'll be the next thing yeah that's after stoked. all these as a grind so. dude you know I'm fucking super stoked on yeah that, absolutely so. Uh, so to me you're an amazing guitarist I know you just said that you were self-taught I'm also self-taught I get people that are like oh dude you're good at guitar I'm like no I'm good at gore monitor right. anything <laughs> else I, I'm right. not good at but anyway, to me, you're a really good guitarist, and I mean, you are a huge influence on me, especially what I do with Gormonger. What was it like to join forces with a madman like Dave Kibler? <laughs> and do you stick to a specific guitar or whatever plays best for you? Um, so, first of all, I really appreciate that because, like I said, I am self-taught for the most part. I mean, I don't know anything about theory. 
I don't know anything about really anything. I just know what sounds good to me. And that's that's what I care right. about. Music, my, my mindset on music is I have to like it first. And if other people like it, then cool. But I want it. It has to be something that I enjoy. Right. And then if, if, if I'm lucky enough that 50 people down the road like it and they hear it and they're like, fuck yeah. And that's, that's all just icing on the cake for me. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciate you saying that. And, and I, I don't think that it, anything I do is overly special. I try to just constantly push myself, whether it's doing a you know simple grind or you know a dead end song or yeah. a liberty song or whatever. I just try to keep pushing myself. Um, so working with Dave is an experience. Yes. Dave yeah. is Dave is a Dave is a, his hands don't move like normal hands. Right, right. And if you ever watch him live, you're like, how are those fucking notes coming out? <laughs> I agree. It, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Dude, it doesn't make any sense. Like, you're watching him play, and it's like his hands are moving three times the amount of space and time than they need to. Right. And you're like, <laughs> why? How is it happening? So it's it's interesting, to say the least, like when he writes something and he's showing it to me, I'm like, all right, dude. <laughs> Slow it down and let's fucking figure this out because I don't know how those that shit's going. Yeah, out. but I, I think we worked pretty well. Um, the last, I think, the last album, Perseverance, we really had the mindset of we were going to write it all together. It was us sitting in the room, you know, me, Jake, and Dave, and it wasn't me bringing four or five songs and Dave bringing three or four songs and Jake bringing two or three right. songs. It was. We're all going to sit and we're going to... Somebody might have the, the original concept, right. but we're going to write these songs together. And I think that's where Dave and I kind of shine, is we can actually bounce things off of each other that work really well and, and meld. He's got a really interesting way of how he um, he thinks about things. He's very... You wouldn't think it to, to know him, but he's very methodical on how he places his riffs. Yeah. And if, and if the riff is going to end in a certain spot the next part needs to tie in a certain way and he's got that all mapped out it's like his own theory right and to me it's I don't think that way so it's like I, but I know I know his formula now so it's like I can I can pick up on what he's talking about <laughs> but it's like okay this one's going to end when, when we get to this fourth version of this it's going to end a certain way because this next riff has got to come in and it's in his in his way of thinking it's got to make sense to, it's got to play off of right it. right yeah. so it's really neat and that's just not something that I really do. Um, but, I mean, he's he's just a fucking beast. And he, he's... I don't know. It's just, it's just cool when we get in that room and we're all just hashing shit out. Yeah. You know, it, it makes me really appreciate it. It's like he's like, suck my dick, you fucking... Bitch. And it's like, <laughs> suck my dick, you fucking cut right now. Like, right afterwards. Right. Like, okay, it's kind of like the same thing. But, right. You know, yeah, exactly. No, exactly. that's cool. Yeah. Yep. yep. He's definitely got he's got things mapped out in a certain way that that I don't that I don't work. Yeah. And it's it's just it's it's neat to see how he does it sometimes. So your guitar style, what guitar? So I've got a bit of an addiction with guitars. So I'll I probably have usually 25 guitars at a time, but I'll I'll constantly be trading and upgrading and, and doing things. I've really gotten the bug for these fucking headless guitars and these. Oh, spin. you like those? I don't know why. Yeah. Like I fucking hate looking at pictures of them yeah, live, yeah. but they play fucking amazing. Like these Strandbergs, like I don't, I don't like spending that much money on them, but they play fucking. They damn near play themselves. Yeah. Um, I was talking to the dudes from uh, Epic Party Cannon when they played CDF, and I said something about the headless stock, and he was like, "Yeah, bro." He goes. But you gotta understand how much better this is to travel with too. Oh, that, and I was right. like, man, that's a fucking advantage yep. right there. Absolutely. Yeah, you're <laughs> taking a you know, a super giant case, and you can shrink that motherfucker yeah. down. Or you can take a gig bag, and they'll let you take it on the plane. Hell whatever yeah. you got to do, it's way easier, way easier. And they stay in tune amazingly well. Like, I've got one of them that literally, I took out of the case. I hadn't played. I played at FTA the last the the first time we played when okay. we were in the secret band. Yeah. I hadn't taken the guitar out of the case. Since then, I took it out uh, probably about a month ago. It was still in tune. So they, they stay in tune phenomenally well. I don't know what it is about maybe the tension of the right. of the, the tuners. They, they, they stay in tune great. Um, I don't... I mean, I'm, I'm still partial to Ibanez. Um, I've got my old Red S that I've played everywhere. Yeah. It's just kind of beat up, and it's like... 
it's it's now like I'll, I'll never get rid of that one. I love that guitar, like yeah. That I I got a Washburn, but it's the same fucking body style. Yeah. And when I bought it, that was exact. I was like, man, this is like Vaughn's fucking Ibanez, yeah. and with the fucking thin body shape, which yep. was cool for my gut. You right. Know? right. It's super. It's super ergonomic and comfortable. Yeah. Like I don't I don't like these big ass heavy guitars that I got shoulder problems. Yeah. So it's yeah. Like, and you're doing all that moving up on stage and shit, so by the time you're done, you're like, yeah. did I just fight somebody or did I play a show? But, you know, it's... <laughs> that red S is always going to hold a place in my heart, so I'm never going to get rid of it. Yeah. I don't know that it's going to see a show. I tried to use it on uh, the BTK recording. It just wasn't cutting the muscle. Right. Um, but I've got several Ibanezes that I still use for recording. Um, but it, it's... I've got a handful of those uh, those headless deals and... I've got different brands. I got some cheap Chinese ones that still play fucking great. Hell yeah! And then I've actually got a, a one that's on the way soon. Uh, it's an Ibanez headless that they just came out with. So hopefully that'll be here in June. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I'm still playing Ibanez. Yeah. And for the most part, I'm still going to take headstock guitars on right to shows. So, yeah, I'm just not a Floyd guy. You're not going to see me playing a Floyd. So I'm the same way. And I I, I had a Jackson Kelly for a while. And I got a really good deal on it, and it played really well. Yeah. But I fucking hated it. Like yeah. I don't like how it feels, and I just general strap body is like good for me. Yep. And yep. It's, it might be boring, but right. man, like some I feel I get the inner kid in me wants a wants a Rhodes V so bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't want to fucking sit. I'm not gonna play that sitting yeah. down, and, and it's like whatever, dude. I'm so I'm just I've given up on that dream. Right. But <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. So. Uh, you ran a label called Epitomite. Yep. Am I saying that right? Yeah, Epitomite Production. I, I, I always thought so, but I was like, so, Epitomite? Yeah, so the, 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 that was like a play on words to me. It was like, I wanted it to be the epitome of something. Right. And I was like, if you took a person and you made them the equivalent of the epitome of something, you'd that'd be the Epitomite. There so, we go. It's fucking so stupid. So that's how that was but made. But that, that's how I made it. That's awesome. Yeah. So... The Epitomite was dope, though, and you actually helped me build FTA, Fuck the S Records, into what it was as far as my distro was concerned. Yeah. Um, that was fucking huge to me. Uh, I used to be amazed, like, you would, you were, like, one of the first people that I knew personally. You would show up to shows and you used to have all them fucking wooden cases, and you would fucking just start setting up. I remember being Clay, like, we were young back then. Yeah. We were just like, dude, that's the fucking shit, and I always had the fucking... The idea that I wanted to do the distro label more, you know, so yeah, yeah. I saw that and I was just like, "Fucking yeah, that's what I want to do." So that was fucking really cool to me. Um, I know that you're also a collector of CDs. Like you're a very big fucking music yeah, collection. Yeah. You still you still buy physicals and stuff. What do you think of the current digital and physical releasing situations as far as like music? Do you, do you find advantages to both you find disadvantage to one now or what do you think about that so, I mean that's hard man because I used to hate the whole digital idea but now I get in my phone I've got probably 2,000 right. albums yeah so I, I'm not going to bitch about it anymore at the palm of your hand at the palm of my hand and I'm like <laughs> and if I don't have it all I got to do is say oh I want to listen to this album or check it out it. and I can find it yeah I still have to go buy physical stuff but I'm going to mostly buy vinyl now yeah. So I'm working on my vinyl collection. Because you're a hipster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Super hip. Trying to get fucking, trying to get suffocation vinyl and Hell stuff. Yeah. yeah, so. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to re- be retiring pretty soon. I got like four years as my goal of retiring. And yeah. I'm planning on moving to the upper peninsula of Michigan. Oh, I'm wow. Gonna, I'm going to live like super remote, like cabin life. Yeah. Like subsistence living. I'm not going to have room for all these CDs and shit. Right. So I'm going to actually start selling all that stuff off. And I started selling off a bunch of demos and, and that was like me starting that process and like ripping that, that wound open. And it, it was kind of painful at first. I was like, I man, bet, yeah. it was like, fuck, I'm getting rid of like some shit that I cherish. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's at the palm of my hand. Yeah. So I don't, I don't need these anymore. And I, and to be honest, like the demos, cassettes, I haven't listened to them in 20 years. Yeah. You know, because I don't have a, I don't have a working cassette deck. So what good is it doing me other than say, oh, I've got this really cool, you know, thing from 96. You know, so It's what? funny, like, I've got the, you know, that we were talking about the Dying Fetus Baby and Intro. I got yep. that and the Infatuation of the Levels demos. Yeah. That I got from Gallagher 
three bucks each. Yeah. You know, autograph. Like, I've got his autograph. And I've had people offer me $500 for that bathing entrails. And I just won't sell it because yep. I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah. But it's funny because it's the same way. I haven't fucking listened to it forever. The tape's probably fucking warped it. Right. Right. But the sentimental value for something like that, like all the times I listen to that album with so many different homies and shit, yep. like. Absolutely. It, it's hard. Absolutely. But it seems stupid. And that's that was the mental thing that I had to get over. It's yeah. Like, I've got this super, I'm, I'm holding on to this super sentimental value of something that I haven't even looked at yeah. in 15 years. I know it's there, yeah. but I haven't even looked at it, you know? And somebody's offering me money for it. I'd be stupid not to take it. Yeah. So, and I got to get rid of it anyway because I'm going to go from 3,600 square feet to 800. Right. You know? So at some point, I'm going to have to get rid of all that shit. Yeah. You know, and all these posters that I've got of, of shows and, and things like that. What am I going to do with all that Right. Stuff? So, not that I'm going to, like, go... Be a hermit and, and like not listen to metal anymore. I'm going to. I'm, I'm still going to write stuff and yeah. and do whatever. And it's not you know hopefully going to affect all the bands very much. But that's the that's the next phase of my life, and that's what I want to do. So I have to kind of live according. I got you know I'm looking at your DVD collection. Yeah. I'm the same way, dude. I got all these fucking DVDs. The point. And, and it's like <laughs> yeah. And it's like okay, I'm going to keep those. Yeah. Because when I get. 12 feet of snow up there yeah I'm gonna need something to do right because after I get done fucking I'm gonna need something to do yeah right so I was like that five minutes is over and I gotta watch a two hour movie and then yeah. hopefully get some energy to do that but uh so I mean I'm, I'm gonna I, I can't get rid of all that stuff but the CDs I don't need because they're just gonna be on my phone yeah you know and it's it, it's a hard thing it's a hard mental thing to, to get past because I think as humans Especially in, in, like, the genre that we're into. And I think it's, you know, you take anybody outside of, like, the pop genre and the major mainstream genres, this stuff is this stuff is very special to us. Yeah. Because we're, very, we're a very small minority of people that get into this and understand it. And that's why we don't do very well with people that are just fly-by-night seeing right. people and people that are, you know... Somebody was saying, uh, not to go on like, a crazy tangent... But I was watching this thing, uh, this video where they were talking about how like these major pop stars and like the Kardashians or whatever are wearing like major metal band shirts. Right, Morbid Angel. Right, and yeah. I'm like, that pisses me off. Yeah, yeah. These guys are like, all these all these bands are like, oh no, I think it's really cool. Yeah, because you want those people to wear your shirt. Yeah. So it bumps you up. Yeah. I don't fucking care about that. That pisses me off because those were the people when I was in ninth grade that were making fun of me. Right. Because I was wearing the shit that I was at and I knew who I was at that point and I was into that and they were making fun of me. So fuck them. Yeah. They don't deserve to wear those those kind of fucking things. <laughs> and I'm sorry if that, that's old and crotchy or whatever the fuck right, it is. Right. But fuck them. Yeah. You gotta you gotta earn that. You can't just wear some shirt because you think it's cool. Yeah. And then when I go ask you to, you know, well name a fucking song, dickhead, yeah. and you're like, uh, okay, cool, take that fucking shirt off. <laughs> Because it's not about, it's not, this isn't the flavor of the week kind of thing. Yeah. And that, that's the kind of shit that pisses me off. So, like I said, I went off on a tangent. I don't even know where I was going with that. Um, <laughs> I, I totally went off the rails, and I don't even know where I was going with that. Yeah. No. So, but, yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the thing about metal, though, is, like, all-inclusive, anybody can be involved, but you also don't want somebody that's that's just a complete poser. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's, like, it's, it's. It's special to us. Yeah. So treat it as such. Yeah. You know, and be respectful and be, and you can, you can dislike something and that's fine, but you don't need to, it's, it's not about, the problem with the scene nowadays is everybody wants to throw their two cents in on what they feel and think about everything. Right. I don't give two fucks what you think about anything. You like it or you don't. Move on to the next thing. Right. I don't need you to break somebody's shit down because you know what? They worked hard for that to get to that point to go do that. And it may not be the recording that they want, or it may not be the song structure they want, but guess what? They're going to work towards that on the next album. Yeah. And they're going to keep bettering themselves, and they're going to get eventually to where they want. So for you to sit there and, and break them down and, and to talk shit about them when you don't do anything yourself, right. fuck off. Yeah. Uh, that's just how I roll. Yeah, put so some action to your words. I'm, I'm not a big person on, on breaking people down. I'd rather 
let's build this scene up because we got enough problems as it is, you know, with everybody making sure we're getting along. So just, just fucking let people do what they do. Hell yeah. That's my thoughts. All right, so here's a question I love to ask. Five Desert Island albums. What are five albums you just could not live without? So I'm going to just... I'm just gonna go death metal because I mean that's that's one of those where I can't I listen to so much different shit. And I yeah. literally, you know, if I if I go back to where, you know, I'm a kid listening to what my parents' influences were on me, and it's like James Taylor and you know Neil Diamond and yeah, shit. Yeah, I'll, I'll fucking take those. Right. Really, depending on what day you ask me, right? That's I'm true. I'm taking yeah. Michael Jackson Thriller. <laughs> yeah. But on death metal day, I'm taking you know I'm gonna take probably Death Human, definitely Suffocation Piercing Within. Mortal Decay, Sickening Erotic Fanaticism. I should probably take Bathing Entrails. Yeah. Bathing Entrails is like the epitome yeah. for me. I mean, it was probably... I, I would probably take Purification Through Violence, actually, but Bathing Entrails would be would be on there. Maybe Disincarnate Dreams of the Carrying Kind. That's such a good album. Yeah, that's like... Yeah. It's like people know it's a good album, but I feel like it gets forgotten. Yeah. And so, like, I hit James Murphy up, like, every year. And I'm like, dude, just to let you know, just, just, just <laughs> in case you don't feel shit. like it's the fucking greatest. Yeah. So, and maybe if I had, like, a six, like, one of my favorite is uh, Resurrection um, Embalmed Existence. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, that's, that's, that was, like, five or six. Yeah. But that's that's the death metal version. There would definitely be a thrash metal version. Stormtroopers of Death, Speak English or Die, is my absolute favorite album of all time. Nice. Hell yeah. Um... That would be like, if I was doing like the thrash era, it would be like that, Random Blood, Ride the Lightning, Persecution Mania, and maybe something else. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it would go for each genre, I would have a, a little different, you know. Some yeah. days I'm mellow and I want to listen to just Tori Amos. Right, right. So, you sure. know. <laughs> oh, that's what's up, man. All right, so uh, question number 10. We made it to the end, which is good. Nice. Uh, What's new for Lividity? Now, I know y'all got some shows booked up. Y'all are doing the Cannibal Cookout this year, which is cool. Yep, yep. Uh, Squatch's show, we jammed that last year. Well, I did. Um, are y'all working on new material for Lividity? Uh, the last album, Perseverance, I mean, that fucking CD was so fucking huge. It was like one of my tops of the year. I think that and Flesh Order Thank you. came out that year together yeah. or whatnot. Those were my two tops. But So what's new like with Lividity? What are you guys doing? So we are trying to get this post-COVID deal going. We're not worrying about Europe right now. We're kind of staying close to home. We're doing some things in the States only, and I think we just booked something maybe from Mexico oh, okay, for yep. October, I think it is. Um, but we're doing probably eight or nine shows. It's really difficult for us to, to do a lot unless we're planning a tour because we all live so far away from each other. Garrett's yeah. in Chicago, I'm in Champaign, Dave's in Peoria, and Jake's in Decatur. So just for us to get together for a practice is a pain in the ass sometimes. And I just want to put it out there for our listeners real fast. If anybody listened to the Waco interview with Kevin, too, both these bands... Their biggest problem is the fucking drummer. Your guys' drummer's in Chicago, up north. Their drummer's in fucking Virginia. Right. That's how fucking tough it is in this area to yeah. find a fucking good, exactly. consistent drummer to play Brutal exactly. Death. So anyway, I just wanted to put that out there. But. And Well, and it's it's that, but, I mean, we've known Garrett since the, you know, since the Corpse Vomit days. Yeah, and I, I mean, yell Come Christ to him every time I see him. Yes. Come Christ the album is one of my favorites yes. of all time. Absolutely. But it's like we knew the caliber of guy we, we were getting when we, yeah. when we asked him to join. So it was like you're, and you know, with Jesse, I mean, he's, those guys aren't there doing. He's fucking phenomenal. Yeah. So we played a bunch of shows with him, and it's like you just sit back and you're like, God damn. So I mean, it's it's, but so we're doing probably like eight or nine shows. I think we're doing Montana, of all places. Uh, we're doing Denver. We're doing Fort Wayne couple shows in Chicago uh, we do Squatch's show uh, next month yeah, well basically next month basically, yeah. um, the Mexico thing I think we're going to do something in Texas maybe um, in Houston so that's that's all getting worked out but I think that's really about all we're doing and then um, there's some talks about maybe doing some things you know overseas and maybe down you know South America again right. uh, for 2023 we have Realistically, we probably have six to eight songs written. Oh wow! 
um, we were just kind of hit and miss with the COVID stuff. And, and obviously I wasn't staying, you know, I, I was keeping busy. Yeah. I was working on 14 different projects. Apparently. Right, right. So, um, plus in your profession during COVID, you were still at work. Right. So I was you weren't off awesome. doing nothing. At right, home, so. right. So I was, <laughs> I was working and then going home and working on songs. I was trying to get those guys to be honest, I was trying to get them a little bit more minded on let's hey let's work on some new stuff. So we finally got to that point where we did, um, but focusing on doing some shows is, is also the plan. The plan is hopefully I'm not putting anything too crazy out there, but this is the anniversary for 25 years for Fetish. Oh yeah. So the goal is for these shows this year it'll be the entire Fetish album. Oh wow. So um, that's that's what we're working on right now we'll do the, the whole fetish out and then probably like another 10 to 15 songs so it'll be like an hour hour and 20 minutes worth of show because uh, yeah. um, Dave doesn't appreciate that I need a voice after <laughs> uh, I say hey can we play like fucking 16 songs no fuck that we need to play forever yeah, like, yeah. cool I just don't need to talk for four days after that that's cool whatever. Um, so we we've got a bank of new material written I don't see it getting recorded anytime soon because I think the train is starting to pick up again for live shows. Right. So, and that's fine. But that's cool though. You guys got a fucking right a foundation. Exactly. Though. So the next thing, and we're even playing on the on the twist of what the title would be, but I don't know if we're set on that yet. So we'll, I'll keep that kind of hush hush. But um, I think we might actually be stealing it from a friend because he came up with it, and I was like. Right. So, that's that's coming with me. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, I think give it probably two years. Realistically, we'll probably hit the studio. Yeah. I mean, it's that's probably the realistic goal. Yeah, that's what's up. There. So, but that's that's fine. We're we're going off other stuff. And yeah, no need to rush it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, yeah. But hell yeah, man. So. Thank you for coming in, fucking hanging Thanks out at my fucking house and talking Absolutely. with me. Absolutely. Doing the right. interview for Murder Metal Mayhem. Uh, any last words you want to say to anything? Uh, appreciate everybody's support, um, you know, for everything that I do, you know, and and if you don't like my shit, that's cool too. That's, Hell yeah. it's, it's whatever, like I said, you know, just move on to the next thing and find whatever grabs you. I'm, I'm really not. I'm pretty laid back. I'm, I'm not that. I'm not that guy. I'm not gonna get butthurt if you don't like what I do. So I appreciate everybody's support though that, that for all the projects, whether it's Lividity or whether it's the old Dead and stuff or whether it's you know something new that I got coming out. So and if you're interested in it, just hit me up on the Facebook thing or whatever. That's all I really do, and I barely do that. But just hit me up on it, um, and I'll, I'll push it out your way. And if you like it, you like it. Fuck we'll yeah. keep on going. I'm, I'm getting old, but I'm going to keep on doing it. <laughs> That's what's up. So, fuck it. Hell yeah. Thank you very much, Vaughn. I appreciate it, man. Fuck yeah.